Fafair, your honest sonsy face. Great chieftain o' the pudding race. Abin the ma, you attack the place. And what the heck is Grant doing? Good yes. evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, I, welcome to episode 96 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Ben Mosswood Ward, otherwise known as Commander Adel of Ice. And joining me in the orange sidewinder this evening, we have our chief bar steward, Grant Psychokai Wilcott. It's not working! Someone pass me Fozzer's wrench, it needs another hit! And he who manages to kick my rear end in CQC, Commander Phoenix to fire Colin Ford. Of course I would. Would you expect anything less? Good evening, everybody. I broke it again. Nobody heard me. I was... <clears throat> Sorry for the technical difficulties experienced at the beginning of this programme. I rest assured that the, the rest of the programme will be back to its usual standards of, yeah, struggling. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. It was you, the killed the ha- you killed the hamster in the wheel again, didn't you? Oh, from my point of view, that was one of the best and smoothest openings. And then it got to that big silence and thought, am I hosting this again? And then realised that, no, everything wasn't working at all. But we're all back up and running, so sorry for everyone for that little false start. We are back! Yay! Yay! If you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging out in-game outside of Lave Station. And we're also in the late in the Lave Lave Radio IRC chat on QuakeNet and you can also access us which you can access, sorry, through the Lave Radio page. You can also tweet us on at Lave Radio with any questions and we're also on Facebook and if you ask any questions in our page there we'll try to answer them towards the end of the show. Grant, what the heck have you been up to this week? Well... As you can see, we've had some technical difficulties today, and in fact, the Lave Radio website is also down, um, so it does make it a bit trickier. Um, apparently, there should be sound going out over the stream. What's going on here? Whilst you work out what's going on, Colin, why don't you tell us about your week? That'll be good. Oh, right. Okay, well, my week's been quite interesting. Um, this week in game, well, um, went all the way out, had a look at the, the barnacles, did a whole top shift about the barnacles, uh, and came back home again. Uh, and But on top of that, uh, we actually made a lot of progress with the elite miniatures, or um, the uh, role-playing games uh, Starship Combat simulator and uh, i'm pleased to say that we actually had a good play test uh through which i w- can i, I just inter- inter- in the interrupt you there and say mm. we're going to be talking about that a little bit later on in the, ga- in the game in the are show we, we are oh. when did you I, put that in the show notes <laughs> nice to know keep these things up to date i put that in the show notes about an hour ago oh well, well thanks yes <laughs> right, grant are you with us yet yeah, that was just, you know, the domino effect of one thing knocking off and then umpteen settings all diverting because they can't work with whatever just broke. One thing breaks and it just knocked everything else over. I've had to re and schedule things and then, of course, what did I forget to do? Click the online button on the radio station. So sorry for those. You can catch that amazing opening. It is spectacular on our podcast when we release it later on today, hopefully. You're setting yourself up for a fall there, aren't you? Making no promises at the current rate. Oh, No, it should be fine. That should be us. Oh, yeah. Sorry, kittens. Um, (laughs) This is just going to be... I am set up for utter disaster tonight. I really am. 
But yes, this week I have been uh, working on our 24-hour stream. Uh, we're doing some overhauling there. One, to make it easier for us to put content up there. Two, to put some new content up there and to organise it into shows and get some scheduled content going on a regular basis so that when you tune in you get a nice range of shows and it's nice and lovely and lovely music to play your game to. So yes, um, working on the radio stream, um, I've been doing a lot more, more organising for my my aunt who passed away uh, at the beginning of the year and getting her estate and stuff in order and that's been a lot of work, paperwork. And then we've been we had the physios out for my wife today and that was good fun because it was all yes we can do that and yes let's get that and it's all really positive and moving forward so that's an awesome awesome change and have you been doing anything in game grants like maybe being a certain cameraman well, yeah, I would I would say that I would put that on my CV, but unfortunately, I wasn't the cameraman for long. Um, after getting in the way, yes, we were involved in the hunting truckers, uh, saving Rex Bottoms, and we also I uh, was deep space exploring and scanning the stuff that no one else wanted to scan. So arriving in systems with the sun scanned and all the nice Earth lights looked at, and then all these rocks. And I thought, no, they deserve to have somebody's name on them. And by damn it, I stamped my name on them. And yeah, and then I was a cameraman for all of about an hour and a half with the Hutton attack on Velho. And um, then apparently the little, uh, what do they call them again? The skimmers, the the big ones. I can't remember what they're called. Goliaths. Goliaths. Seemed to take a shining to my ship hovering above the station and decided to stick to me, causing the whole battle to be a little bit difficult for anyone to win because they couldn't shoot them. But we got there. After you destroyed my ship, Hobermallow, I'm shaking a fist at you. For what it's worth, apparently I got my my own back on him. Um, But that's that's another story. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, what have I been up to this week? I've been... Like Mr. Ford, I've been doing barnacles. There, um, I think I'm in the top 30% of the stream for that now. Uh, let's see. Yeah, top 30, 30% of the stream for that. Um, although, I don't know how the heck we're going to get to the anywhere in this stream where we've got how much... We've got one day left. There's been 2,500 contributors, and we've only got... 111,000 um, 111, tons of barnacle, of metal alloys collected because of course when you basically go looking for metal alloys you can find maybe two at a time and then you've got to wait another 10 minutes and get another two and wait another 10 minutes and get another two and that's assuming you're not competing with anybody for anything and you know, how on earth they're expecting people to find to get up, like, in the the millions of metro alloys, I've got no idea. So, might have broken stations for a while longer yet. Other than that, I took part in the Saving Rick's Bottoms thing as well. I've been doing the... Uh, we had loads of fun doing Saving Rick's Bottoms, actually. That was, that was suitably mad. That's really about all I've been doing. I've been dotting back and forth between Meyer... And now I'm back in live again just to say hello to all you lovely folks. Jarvis, are you with us? What have you been up to? Jumping on the live radio broadcast at the last minute. Yay! Uh, <clears throat> no, I've been, I've been mostly writing Escape Velocity scripts. Um, I'm at a position now where the first three episodes have been kind of written in a first draft way. 
So I, I kind of know what the first three episodes, you know, that, that puts me in a position where I sort of know what the first three episodes are about. Um, and it gives me a rough idea of casting. Although having had a look at the number of characters who were in those three episodes, one of the things I'd like to do on a second pass is reduce the number of people who are in them. Um, cause I've given myself quite a casting challenge yet again. Um, but it's, you know, it's all good. I've got, uh, Amy scheduled in for coming and recording her bits as May, uh, on the 3rd of February, cause we obviously have to fit that in around some of her university stuff. Um, I'm currently in negotiation about another, uh, extra special cameo, which would be brilliant. Um, and really help the series sound cool. Uh, so hopefully I, I won't say who it is because I don't know if it's going to happen. There's no point in me saying anything. If it's not going to happen. Um, and yeah, I've been, um, I mean, do you know, I've been doing a lot of offline stuff. Um, I've been, I, I got sucked in to the X-Wing tabletop game. Um, so mistakes were made and, and that's been happening. Um, and the thing I've learned, cause I, I, I sort of have this principle with games that I, I like to play with units that I enjoy rather than necessarily working out what's the kind of min-max way to win a game. It's the reason I suck at Pokemon. It's the reason I suck at Chaos, because I tend to field my favourite units rather than the best ones. Um, and in, in the case of X-Wing, my favourite ship in the whole Star Wars universe is the Imperial Shuttle. Um, and it turns out it's really hard to fly. <laughs> the Lambda-class shuttle, shuttle, yes. The Lambda-class shuttle, yeah, Shuttle Tiberium. Yeah. Um, it's got some really nice upgrades for it, but actually, um, if you don't know how to kind of move it, it's of absolutely no use at all. I basically just ended up with it stuck in an asteroid for most of the game, uh, which was a pity. Um, and I've also actually been playing, a friend has got the Star Wars Imperial Assault tabletop game, which is, I don't know if people have seen it, um, but it's... Uh, it's a kind of tabletop skirmish game, but with a very heavy kind of campaign element. Um, so we've been playing a sort of smugglers and affiliated rebels campaign, uh, which is a re- is really good fun, really good fun. Uh, and it's very, it's it's the, the 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 reason you know it's a good game um, is because even though we won the scenario against, so one player is sort of playing as the empire against the rest of us. He's sort of like a GM. Um, and you know it's a well-balanced game when we only just managed to complete our objective on the very last round that we were able to do it, um, and we all almost died as well. So that kind of game balance is great. Um, you know, it's nice when these things aren't aren't too easy or too hard. So, yeah. Lots of offline stuff, really. Oh, actually, it's a good thing that you're on tonight, because huh? one of the key things that was in the dev update on the 21st yep. was all about engineers. And frankly, yeah. one of those engineers sounds awfully like Kerluck, if you ask me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like, yeah, I like the idea of these kind of NPCs around who can sort of take blueprints and, and, and whittle sort of legal and non-legal things for you. Um and it's really interesting timing as well, actually, because the stuff, the, one of the episodes I've written for Escape Velocity um, kind of deals with that in a funny sort of way. Um, so one of the things I'm going to be doing in the second pass over the script is, is looking at the, the dev update in much more detail and working out if there's any nice little things I can slip in there um, to kind of reference it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's got... I'm still... I'm not personally clear on... 
how the crafting is going to work out. But then I, I have to confess, I've not completely got my head around the um, scavenging for materials with the SRV thing yet. I mean, I do understand it, but I haven't had enough time to play with the SRV to collect enough things that I know what all those different buffs do. So for me to then kind of make the mental step to, well, this is what the engineers are going to be building, um, is, is, is a step slightly too far for me. Oh, I have to admit, I mean, you guys all know my, my feelings on crafting and especially crafting things for buffs and so on. Um, but I was actually using the oh the synthesis on Saturday when, just basically when I was driving around, got myself down to 30-40% hull on my SRV. And then I could repair myself up to 100% up again. Uh, even though I didn't have enough things to give me any boosts, it was still more than enough to go and very, very quickly, ma- magically repair my, my hull, which was beautiful. But one thing I don't understand, though, is where do I get um, materials and sim- for synthesis things for my ship? Because everything I've picked up so far has been ground fixing my SRV and nothing on my ship. I don't know if anyone... On knows about that or not? That's interesting. Maybe not. I'm sure um, I've, I'm sure I've previously picked up things which and I hadn't picked up a lot, but I'm sure I've picked up things which were ingredients for craft, um, craft synthesis. But I confess that may have been during beta. Uh, I, since live, I don't think. I've been to enough different planets because because I'm not sure whether different synthesis items are found on different planets or whether my kind of you know procedural luck has been such that when I've been driving around a particular planet I've found mostly the same resources. I'm not sure obviously. I mean it's, no indeed. I think it's just a case of getting used to it and learning about these things but I mean mm. <sighs> What kind of buffs would you like to see from your engineers? You know, anyone? Well, I, think I you, don't know. Sorry. Yeah, you really want to see that kind of high-risk, uh, high-return items, you know, the, the uh, overexerted, super-duper uh, frameshift drive that will, you know, maybe potentially up to treble your ability to jump and uh, of course you know is, is extremely badly affected by weight and might not make it at all and in fact may just destroy your ship that kind of uh, that, that kind of rustic concept of you find bits of metal and you decide to hammer them onto something to see if it <laughs> makes it better I mean, that would yeah be totally yeah, I, yeah I, you know i'd agree with that i think i'd like to see there's um there's two things I kind of would want to say about it. I think it's difficult. Whenever you introduce a new element into a game like this, particularly for people who play PvP, which, as you all well know, I don't really, so it doesn't bother me, um, is, is whether or not introducing new something changes the balance. Now, with something like um, crafting, or certainly with synthesis, synthesis gives you potentially... Um, enough of a boost to your to things like weapons if you can find the bits for it that really you need to make sure you've always got that boost because it becomes an arms race if you're in a pvp environment you've got to have what anyone else potentially has and i think that's the danger of crafting um is that it potentially gives people items 
that give them an advantage in such a way that then everybody else has to then go and craft those same items. I, I think what I'd rather see with it is a kind of risk-reward basis, that it's a way of um, crafting things where you can, because it's meant to be a sort of, as far, like you say, in some instances, a sort of maybe slightly less than legal thing, uh, and other times a way of of pushing performance. If it's the less than legal thing, then it's genuine, genuinely to save money. So I think one element of the crafting could be getting items for your ship which you couldn't otherwise afford, but which may be massively unreliable. So you've bought yourself a, a like a... I don't know what. So you've bought yourself a, a point defence cannon. But every time it fires, there's a good chance that it's going to take like 2% damage. And before you know it, when you've been in a battle, this thing is down to like 45% of its <laughs> ability and you've got to go and have it repaired. Um, or the other thing is the kind of... It costs just as much as the legal one, um, but actually, again, there's a risk-reward thing. So you could have... Um, shield, um, what are those things called that regenerate your shield? Shield cell boosters. The shield cell boosters. So you could have a shield cell booster which performs at like 300% the efficiency of a normal shield booster, but like maybe smashes your hull when it kind of overloads. So you've got that kind of thing where you're saying, you know, this, is, this item's going to give me a huge advantage, but I can't overuse it. And it's going to be a bit of a kind of thing that I don't want to rely on. Um, it's the sort of thing that narratively you can imagine uh, people going and getting made and, and then it being a bit of a kind of um, risky, risky upgrade rather than just kind of going to a shop and buying the proper upgrade. Um, but I mean, that, that, that's what I'd like to see from crafting, but I don't know. To me, it sounds a little bit like the from the, the stuff that was written, that it's a sort of extension of the synthesis thing. Um, you know, sort of making ammo and, 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 and missiles and things, so I don't, I don't know. Oh, actually, I've realised, you say, has anyone had any upgrades for their ship? Sorry, I've just realised um, I did, I, I crafted a whole load of um, missiles. So that's for my ship. Okay. Well, one thing, Commander Ashley Wilkinson is saying, or is worrying that it's going to be a big time sink and is worrying about the casual players when it comes to these engineers. Do you think that's a reasonable concern that, you know, as you were saying, it might become needed and we all have to spend hours grinding away for our bits of unobtainium? I don't think so, because if you think about the game as it stands now, you're you're able to evade anything you don't fancy so I mean you know where where a majority of these kind of buffs going to be used is going to be in combat or exploration if you've got particular you know frame shift boosts and things so I wouldn't expect it to cause an issue where um, people f have to be that level because at the moment you don't have to be in the same ships and the way that the game is being played is with, with your ability to, to navigate and the, the size of the universe anyway you're, you're not going to find yourself locked in combat. Obviously PvP at the current minute is very much hull reinforcements and shield cell competitions to see who can fit the most to last the longest and so having it boosted is just going to increase that to having who's got the most boosted shield cell banks and hull reinforcement packages <laughs> and so 
it's not going to alter the balance of what's currently there. Um, it might just mean that there's a new balance to be reached by these people, but I don't think it's going to stop me from trading without shields. What yeah. about... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with that, <laughs> only slightly, in the sense that I think, um, because I already think that the game, um, the PvP game, is very difficult for the casual player to keep on top of things and have the biggest chip and the biggest guns, which is, you know, obviously what I feel PvP comes down to. Um, I think if you're into the PvP game, you are going to have to put the time in to grind those materials and make sure you've got the top of your kind of arms race. Um, I, th- I think I think Grant's right in a sense that actually, you know, it sort of fits in with the casual game a little bit if you're already not playing a kind of PvP thing. But I think if you're, if you're well into PvP, it's going to create I personally think it's going to create a grind uh, where you need to keep on top of this stuff. And what about having to maybe build up your reputation with the engineers? Because obviously they're saying that we're going to be building up reputations with the... And they... Uh, and... Which must be cultivated along the lines of their governing factor to gain their trust so that... And so the more capable bl- blueprints... Well, the, see, I think you know the influence and the your your kind of influence and your your levels with, or what do you call it, reputation with these uh, particular factions and minor factions is is very 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 quickly done, uh, unless you're new, the, the new end of the scale with a small ship, you know, a couple of big cargo runs and boom, you're um, friendly, and then another couple later on you're allied, or run twenty or thirty missions and suddenly you're allied. It's it's very easy. So if they made that more tricky, it might be a bit more off-putting, but I don't expect it to be anything more difficult than we currently have for minor factions, which, in my opinion, is really quite straightforward. Just go back, take as many missions for that faction as you can, out you go, come back, rinse and repeat, and within a couple of turns you're friendly. It's, you know, one evening. Yeah. Yeah, and I I like the idea... Sorry. I was going to say, anyway, and moving on... No, no, no. I, I like the idea of the reputation thing having an impact on NPCs because this goes back to the discussion in the DDF with the different tiers of NPC that you would talk to depending on how allied you are with a faction. And I like the fact that they're starting to bring in the fact that when you're, when you're first slightly friendly with a faction, they will give you access to this engineer. And then the suggestion is that as you work for that faction more and more, perhaps someone higher up in the organisation starts to take notice of you. And I think that's that's something the game really needs. And I really hope that if this works out well with the engineers, that this is something that will roll out across the uh, the kind of the minor faction uh, sort of canvas and that we get more different levels of NPC that we can actually identify with the, the missions. Because that was one of the things that I think was a real strength of um frontier elite 2 i know most of the time you know when we're looking at this game we're comparing it with the original elite and that kind of the you know the fun of the flight and the combat and all those sorts of things but there are loads of amazing things that were in frontier elite 2 that really made that game brilliant and i think one of the things that that we need from it is those kind of faces of of npcs so commander slam duncan game is saying he'd like it if you became very friendly with an engineer and then that engineer <laughs> could introduce you to other engineers and potentially new missions for you so what what do you think about engineers maybe giving off new missions and things 
I'm not sure what to think about getting very friendly. <laughs> I've got an, I've got enough trouble with networking at work. The last thing I want is networking more engineers, for goodness sake. We'll get Facebook eventually, you know it. Oh. Oh, apparently he doesn't mean that friendly. Right. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on from that little, little event onto oh, back on the... End of last week, I think it was, the 22nd, a Eurogamer mentioned that the Frontier development was only going to focus on SteamVR, Oculus Rift out the window, we don't care about Oculus Rift, you know, usual clickbait stuff, but Colin, I think you've been reading about that a bit. Yes, the um, Oculus... The main problem that we've had lately is that the Oculus Rift hasn't been working as well with uh, Elite Dangerous for since version, what was it, SDK 6? Or was it SDK 7? Yeah. yeah. So basically we haven't been able to upgrade uh, the Oculus headset since then. Uh, and what's really been happening is that Oculus have decided, quite rightly in my opinion, that these things... Uh, there was a lot of developers doing a halfway house in order to get the same effect, and it would have um, cost them a lot more uh, effort in the long run. Uh, so they have just said, right, now you've got to do it this way. And Frontier are working with Oculus in order to get it done that way. The problem is, is that it's going to take so much longer to get that working with Oculus Rift that they're concentrating on Vive. Because we, we all know that um, Elite Dangerous is a fantastic uh, experience in VR. The problem was that the Oculus symbol disappeared off the Frontier website. And Eurogamer thought, oh, that's it, they've dropped Oculus Rift. Uh, to which oh, there was a whole load of panic, and, and so I said, what, Elite Dangerous have, have dropped Oculus? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then PC Gamer come out with a, well, actually, no, um, Oculus is is not being given the priority. Vive is give, being given the prior, priority because effectively the, um, uh, you know, it's going to be easier to get that to, to product. And then finally, David Braben himself um, jumps in, and he says, uh, I'm afraid uh, we're still developing with Oculus Rift. I wish these journalists would check their facts. Is it Vive that Frontier are working with, or is it Steam VR? Well, Steam VR and Vive are the same thing, I always thought. Okay. I'm wrong. No, 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 I, no, thought, I thought Vive was the HTC one. Was it? Vive is yeah, definitely the HTC one. For Android devices. But I'm getting, I'm getting confused now. I thought so, Steam VR was, I guess, an interface between HTC's um, API and Frontier. So it's like you know, uh, the Steam VR is basically like a, a middleman that Valve are doing. So theoretically, as I as I thought it was, Frontier could talk to Steam VR, and then Steam VR would talk to Vive, talk to Oculus talk to whoever but i could have that completely wrong as well it's, i'm a bit confused by it all as well yeah can i just say that we've, we've, we've definitely lost the moral high ground on the kind of uh, inaccurate journalism <laughs> so let's let, let's admit that at this point we're slightly confused about the the, the state of the um, commercial vr market um so no, certainly when it was first announced and there were videos the steam vr was very much its own product with its own hardware and its own things that were going on. And Vive was announced as a kind of way of using your mobile phone or tablet 
to kind of do a VR experience? No, that was the Galaxy one. Um, that was Samsung Gear. Oh, you see? <laughs> Get off yeah, your moral high ground. No, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm just expressing my, my, <laughs> my understanding of what the market was. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's like the discussion we had the other week. Um, if you've got one product that has very simple APIs and libraries and lots of support for developers, that is necessarily going to end up being implemented in-game first than one that has... Uh, an API that hasn't been finished, lack of clarity for developers. It's not that you know you're not supporting the the particular hardware or technology in question. It's just that you can't. And I think you know Frontier realised that they were running around doing a lot of bug fixing for the Oculus Rift development kit when actually it was kind of a moving target. And um, they were finding, I, you know, I, I, the way I see it, they were finding they were spending a lot of development time wasted because they would fix something and the thing they fixed was then broken again. So it's like, do you know what? Let's wait for them to at least determine what the target is that we need to hit and then we'll hit it. And I think that's fair. And like I say, you know, it, it's clickbait. At the end of the day, they wanted people to read that, uh, that article. So having a thing saying Frontier have dropped Oculus Rift support is, is going to make people go and read the article. Yeah, I mean, I think it was clickbait and I don't want to say deliberately bad journalism, but deliberate headline choice anyway. Yeah, I mean, I've written a lot of bad journalism over the time and I have to say a lot of it, most of it's not deliberate. <laughs> most of it's <laughs> just to, because of publishing deadlines and having to get stuff written, you know, in kind of the quickest do you, do you remember when i um when when i came to this podcast and i said that the elite dangerous kickstarter um i, I kind of hadn't really realized it was going on i actually found an old news article that i wrote when i was working as a freelance <laughs> journalist about the elite dangerous kickstarter okay I, I, I just wrote it i didn't even think about it i didn't even think about the content you just you get these press releases in or you get these tips in and you turn it into you know 500 words of copy and submit it and honestly, that's how a lot of it works. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's, I, I, I should put, hold my hand up there. That's how bad journalism works. I don't think we could really say anything apart from that, can we, Grant? <laughs> Have we lost Grant? No, 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 I'm here. I'm just, I'm uh, just dealing with the back end stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, for you deal with the back end, I'm going to move on to some answers from the developers, which was something we actually missed last week, because um, this, this came out on the 15th, so this is actually fairly old, but... It's news to me. Um, I don't know if the rest of you guys have seen this before now, but um, there's a whole load of questions which, yeah, as we know from the community that Zach went off and answered. So question number one was, is the digital art book, as promised in the Mercenary Edition and early backers, still coming? You know, this is this is getting on a bit, so I think I think it's fair enough that people are asking what's going on. Um, are you guys looking forward to the digital art book, or do you not really give a monkey's is it too late, or what do you think? Me? I've forgotten all about it. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I remember it, and I remember looking forward to it at the time, and then we kind of got the game, and I, I, I have to admit, I forgot about it as well. Um, but anyway, apparently Frontier is still working on it, Um Yay. And they will have more information about it soon. 
Oh, gold. <laughs> Actually, no, it could be quite nice to have something like that that just really would set out on your coffee table how much well, of a geek, a geek you are. Not a, not a real one. I mean, if they made a, if they did make it a coffee table book, that would be really kind of awesome. If you look at a digital coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could put it on a dashboard on our cockpits. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would fly over and I could just fly. Yeah, uh, yes, anyway. Uh, yeah, but a printed one would be lovely, but then I suppose I could always print it myself. Yeah, but it wouldn't be as nice as having a nice glossy... Well, you've got access to all that kind of stuff, I guess. Yep. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, second question was, do the throttle setting and size and class of interdictor module have an influence on the potential outcome so apparently the answer to that is the size and class of the interdictor affects the range that they work at but all other things are equal and the throttle plays no part so that was news to me because i always thought if i was trying to escape from somebody i've always slammed my throttle up into full and then danced around and tried to get out of it and fail miserably easily did you think that, or did you not really care? Well, I, I thought that the way to break your kind of lock on, or someone's got you, is, is to go as fast as you can towards that central dot, and the, the more you pull, and then the more accurate you hold it, then the more likely you are to break away. Aye, that's what I thought as well. Um, I, I also thought, though, that there was something about the smaller the ship you are, then the easier it was to escape from a larger ship. Which I always thought was a bit um, backwards. I thought that you know, surely the bigger you are, the stronger your your engines, and you'd be pulling that little ship trying to interdict you along behind you. But apparently, it works the other way around, which confuses me a bit. Um, then, next question was: Will Elite Dangerous support the Nvidia VR SLI, where each GPU renders each display? and or the AMD Liquid VR for AMD users. And apparently that's not been decided yet. So, don't really... Well, what's with the echoing going on there again? No idea. It's not more. No, no idea. I'm behaving myself. They might okay. Be might be me. Um, will there be a first Landedon credit at some point? I think, and they're saying basically that this isn't currently planned, although they do have more coming for explorers on planet surface in Elite Dangerous Horizons. I think that's a shame, actually, because I think, you know, first Landedon, certainly on some of the planets like that 6G world, yeah, that deserves to get recognition. Well, yeah, you go in. Not, not just have little tombstones where all the ships have planted <laughs> and died. Yeah. Well, certainly on that planet, yeah. But, you know, I'd like the idea of going in and planting my flag. But apparently, we're not getting anything to say. I was here first, but then it does. It does get to that point where it's going to get ridiculous. Like you, you can click on a commander and it'll say first killed by, first pirated by. You know, um, we're getting to the sea. I mean, the, the the first discovery of a system uh, is a nice touch to sort of claim ownership of, you know, I found it first, therefore I get to name it, but you don't. <laughs> so that, that's a bit of a damn squib, because there'd be nothing better than calling, you know, I'm going to call that one Rock Planet 1, and I'm going to call that Rock Planet 2, um, Asteroid Belt But this one's going to one. be Planet Boobies! <laughs> Because <laughs> you but, know that's going to turn up. But you know, this, this, there's so much potential there. Um, having another sort of first landed on 
would be it's a, that's a particularly nice um, sort of statistic but you know once you get into the likes of first docked then we're getting a bit daft aren't we and you know first landed yeah. on if there's already bases there is a little bit of a weak stat really because okay if you're the first to land on it who built the base how come there's a base there I yeah Will we see private groups enabled on the Xbox One? And yes, we will see private groups enabled on the Xbox One, and it's apparently something that's currently being worked on, but no release date on that. When this newsletter was announced, or when this answer from the devs was announced, but there has been a wee bit of movement on that, which we'll come up to later in the show. Spot of foreshadowing there. Um... Will there be more security police or Navy missions coming to Elite Dangerous? And this is an answer that actually excites me, saying, yes, we plan to revamp the entire military missions to make them feel more like a career and that you're actually working for them. I think I'm really looking forward to that. I think that's... To me, the military missions should, should have always felt a bit like a story mode. So you come in and it's like, hello, rookie, here's your sidewinder, that kind of idea. And maybe they could eventually go off and say, right, congratulations, after killing several thousand people, you've now got yourself a vulture, but you need to go and do this mission. Um, don't know what kind of rewards they'll be able to do for all this, but I think that'd be really nice. But Well, it, it would be nice to get involved uh, at, you know, missions that are appropriate to your reputation with that particular military or organisation. So it'd be nice to get more and more difficult missions given to you. And, you know, let, let's let's go full hog. Let's make it really, really good. Let's get to an oppor- opportunity where you're given missions and the importance of that mission is critical, not just to your rank progression, Regression, but potential regression. Maybe you can get, you know, court-martialed for failing to kill an important target. Let's get it going both ways. I just wanted to get Dobbo's um, cutter off him. That's really all I really <laughs> wanted. Just, yeah. As long as we can stop him having that cutter, because he's dangerous with that damn thing. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, if you've got that, that kind of... Well, that would be more realistic as a, a point that it's something you know you, you've got this mission you're part of something to stop a war breaking out and the end result of you being successful in your missions is that that war doesn't break out but really that only you know how close it became or the various different commanders at that rank level I think John Stabler said it a way while back as well and a number of many episodes ago when we had the different ranks in the Imperial Army he would quite kind of like to have a, a hot message appear in his cockpit saying calling all barons and above we need urgent help in this system and you know this kind of mission tiered where it's going to be more militaristic is definitely a, a move in the right direction I mean how awesome would it be to get a message in saying pirates have been spotted on the way to Akinar? All members of the Imperial Army rank X and above get back there, and it kind of gives you a nice launch into a community goal, but without the community goal. Well, maybe even with a limited community goal, only available to certain people. Well, you so. know, I just think it's a really exciting way of making it a job. You know, so no, you do like, get called. All oh, right, so now I'm high rank. I never have to. I don't even bother doing any more imperial missions. They should make your rank degrade over time. And I know that's very controversial for the casual players, but you know what, stuffies. What about <laughs> if you get? Let, let's say, for sake of argument, you're high in the federal military, but then you get caught smuggling things like onion head. 
Would you say that should also have affect your um, off with his badges? Career? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Off with his badges. Take that clipper back off them. Uh, make them walk <laughs> to their next mission. That's what they should be doing. Get a taxi and a dodgy taxi at that. Not the kind of nice ones with the clean interiors. No one that somebody's thrown up in the back of, and that's it. And they've got to sit in that and go all the way to Hutton Orbital. So there's an hour and a half in the back of that overly hot taxi full of smelly vomit. I might have taken that a bit far. Just a wee bit, yes, but I, I completely agree with you there. Well, more or less. Do you agree with the point that you're right? You're, much, you know, okay. Let's let's yeah. say your 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 elite ranking should not degrade, and I'm quite okay with the reputation only degrading a little bit. So, like, if you're allied with the Imperials, you only drop as far as friendly, and if you're not, if you're friendly with them, then you can drop back down to unfriendly. That seems to be. Maybe it shouldn't have a limit. Maybe you should be able to, over time, lose all that ranking too to encourage you to play more. But I'm not as bad at that. But with the military ranking, if you're not doing military missions, then you should be dropping down that. If you're not keeping it a wee refresher, like power play and, and the particular rewards, then you should see it start to degrade. Make it quite slow. Uh, but then again, you know, penalise when there's a call to arms and you don't turn up. Penalise people with a big hit to their ranking in that circumstances. If there's a, a community goal in Imperial space that involves bounty hunting and stuff and you don't go into that, yeah, slam them another wee bit of extra, you know, degradation just because they didn't take part. And make it important that you do take part. And when you do a, a little sneaky side mission to get your Federation rank up because you fancy that nice new Federal ship, then smash their Imperial ranking down to zero and send every other Imperial Baron out after that player. Only if you get caught by an Imperial ship doing that Federal mission. Yes, fair enough. Let's let's be reasonable. Um, anyway, while you've I've managed to successfully interrupt you there, does destroying skimmers or SIV, SRVs affect your combat rating? And apparently it does. So that's a nice quick one there for a change. Uh, this is a fairly obvious one, I thought. But are the ships that are exclusive to Horizons and future seasons? And it is likely that some ships will be season exclusive. For example, the Cobra Mark IV is, is already an example of this. It's only available to those who purchase the original Elite Dangerous. I think that seems perfectly reasonable to you. I mean, do you, do you think that it's, it's fair enough that we only get things if we're here at a certain point in time? Or is that, you know, a little bit too much like a special snowflake? <laughs> yeah. Difficult, isn't it? Because... On the one hand, the kind of special event things are something that that get people energised in a community and kind of get them around. Um, at the other times, it is galling for people that have missed out them. I mean, there's shiny Pokemon, event Pokemon over the years that I've never had the chance to get my hands on. And that's always been a little bit kind of galling. Um, I think they're on about basically an entire season, so you'd had to miss a hell of a lot. Yeah. You know, not so much, you know, you didn't play during the Hut and Mug goal, therefore you don't get a exclusive Hut and Mug skin or something like that. Which actually I think would be yeah. fair enough. I think it's I think I think it's good if it's if you can balance these kind of things. I mean I'm obviously pleased, you know, I got I got the Lavecon skin for my Cobra, so I'm happy that I've got a kind of special event skin. Um I didn't go to EGX. So I don't I don't expect to get an EGX skin, um, but I think it's 
it's doing things that that at least makes some of the event stuff available to everybody um and i think you kind of make a rod for your own back if you this is this is the problem with some of the pokemon stuff is if you prioritize a particular territory or time scale and you do lots of things within that time scale and then later down the line you don't kind of carry it on and see it through so like just going back to the pokemon example because it's the best thing i can think of there were pokemon movies where they gave away certain very limited pokemon at the cinemas that were showing the film in europe those films didn't even get uh, a cinematic release so there wasn't even an opportunity there for people in the UK or the rest of Europe to go and pick those up. And that's something that, that annoyed the European players. And it's, so it's something that Frontier need to watch out for. If they're going to do this kind of content, they have to keep it up and keep it going. Because I don't think people will mind having missed out on previous stuff. But if they come to the game late and there aren't opportunities like this... And, and I think this applies to both things like skins and decals and also in-game content. They're creating things now like the barnacles, the space station shutting down. They're creating all this kind of GM'd-like plot within the game. And I think if they wind that up, I know it's, it's a fairly light touch with the storyline, but I think if they stop doing that sort of thing and people come to the game later, they're going to feel like, oh, why don't the devs ever introduce any really interesting storyline stuff into the game anymore? So that's all I'm going to say about it. I don't, I don't think it's a problem, but I think you have to keep it going. Okay. <laughs> uh, is there any news on the possibility of multiple, multiple commanders on one account? And this is some sad news for me, because I could have sworn they said they were going to do this, but there are currently no plans to add this into the game. Oh, that's a pity. Which I could have sworn they said we were going to be allowed multiple commanders, but I could be wrong there. Um, some nice little random news here, though, that apparently it appears that some NPC names are used more often than others. How are NPC names determined? And apparently it is all completely random, which I actually thought that there was some, at least some kind of procedural generation to the names. So, you know, you always had a pirate called... I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of a good pirate name now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a, a pirate called I can't think of a good name. Yeah, and then and right. then traders always being called Commander Trader, or not Commander because he's <laughs> an NPC trader. But apparently, it's, it might all be random. Um, but this is this is some sad news though, because apparently Bat Crazy Roy is just hiding. He's been hiding since Peter, and he's hiding from us. Which, I remember Bat Crazy Roy, and, you know, with, with fondness, and, yeah, he, he's been a bit AWOL. In other news, while we're distracted, so I found a game on Steam called Tharsis, uh, which is it's one of these games where it's got, like, the red mixed review thing. And I was really unsure about it, because it's, like I say, literally about half the people who've reviewed it hate it. Uh, and it's basically a board game. You have this spaceship that's on a mission to Mars, um, and every turn, stuff goes wrong with your ship and your crew, like, die and uh, and these sorts of things. And you basically overcome the problems on the ship by uh, each character has a number of D6s they can roll, so you move that character to a module, 
roll d6s for them and hopefully you get the numbers on the dice to spend on fixing the problem um and i didn't i was put off it because um a number of the reviews were basically saying that people were complaining about how random the outcomes of the game were and oh it's just a dice game you know it's pure luck whether you win or lose um and that kind of caught my attention because it's the same complaints that people make about chaos reborn and clearly chaos reborn is a game that you can win or lose based on skill even though there is a huge random element uh so that kind of got my attention and there was a guy um that was doing a twitch series on on tharsis and he was on his 31st game of a 30 game winning streak and i thought any game that you can win 30 times in a row is not driven entirely by luck because that's just that's just crazy um so i picked it up uh, and i've been playing it and i have to report i actually won my first game of it so I don't know if it's as hard as some of the reviewers are making out or if people are just not used to, um, you know, because I think in any given dice game, when, you, when you're given the option of re-rolls, you have to consider the, the stats of whether re-rolling a die is, 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 is worth it. And I think if you understand the way dice roll and the way statistics plays a part uh, in it, um, I, I think it's perfectly manageable. And actually, it's really good fun. Right, so what game is, was that again? Sorry, Chris. This is called Tharsis, um, and it's it's just it's just it's really good fun. I'd have to say the graphics are a little bit they're a little bit developer art for my liking, um, <laughs> but it is a really good fun game, and it is kind of like a um, like a player versus environment board game, um, and it's just yeah, it's really good fun. It's got nice fiction setting, uh, and um, and and if you like that that kind of dice thing, it's um, yeah, it's pretty good. Anyway, after that slight derail, let's move on again. I should just say there aren't many games where you can cannibalise the meat of dead crewmen, um, which this game offers, so... Okay. (laughs) Right, reversing backwards from this... Yeah, it's less cute than Kerbal's. (laughs) <laughs> putting it mildly <laughs> back in february sandra mentioned some ideas to introduce some kind of hidden cargo for smuggling purposes has nice. this idea been discarded or is it still on the list so mm. as you say that, you mean- that sounds nice and i like the idea of it yeah you mean like the millennium falcon panels sounds like it to like me stuff yeah. On the floor. yeah that'd be cool wouldn't it yeah that'd be cool and apparently that is still on the wish list mm. they could do it a bit like if you've ever played the um the Firefly board game. The Firefly board game, you have different cargo slots for smuggled goods and regular cargo. And I think the smuggled goods are smaller. It's been a while since I've played okay. it. Okay, that kind of makes sense, yeah. So yeah. Has the, how far is the maximum expansion range for minor factions and how does replacing another minor faction in a system work? So apparently the maximum expansion range for a... The maximum expansion range for a minor faction is about 15 light years, and apparently you don't actually replace a minor faction, you just add in your minor faction to that system. So that's probably some good information for the Hutton truckers there, because I know they're, I think they've just taken Wise and they're trying to move on, I guess, somewhere. So beware Sol, just to stir things up a bit. I don't think they'd be allowed into Sol. They're not. It's just. Yeah, the, so I thought it was a locked system. 
Yeah, the President Hudson fanboys are kind of getting a bit scared that the Hutton truckers are going to set their eyes on Sol, and that's not the... they don't care at all. I think all the truckers really want is a large, a large base, and I've got a feeling that Don Antonacci is deliberately setting them places that only have, like, tiny little bases, or maybe not even any planets we can land on. But I might be wrong there. I have no idea. It might honestly be random. Nice simple one here, though. Will the Federal Fighter and the Imperial Fighter be added to the main game when Chip Lodge Fighters is added during Horizons? And obvious answer is obvious. Yes! Well, we know that because that, that's what they've said. They've said that those are the, the vessels they're going to be launching from the ships. Originally, it was supposed to be small fighters like Sidewinders, but they've, they've changed that. Yeah, that's gone out the window, it looks like, because... Has, actually, does anybody know if the Anaconda's text has been updated to reflect that? Because I'm sure the Anaconda said it could actually launch Sidewinders and things, didn't it? It did. It did, yes. Um, and the final question was, are you able to tell in advance whether or not a surface outpost has a landing pad large enough to accommodate your ship? And the nice answer, thankfully, here is all surface ports have large landing pads. The ones that cannot be docked at are found only on medium-sized settlements. <clears throat> right. So that means, basically, this medium-sized settlements are the same as outposts. Basically, yes. Right. Fair enough, then. That sounds like... Yep. Sorry, I'm getting distracted by in-game chat again, and we'll move, we don't care about that. So let's move <laughs> on. Um, right. So, finally, guys... Finally, we now move on to Horizons on the Xbox One, where there's been a wee bit of concern, shall we say, from the community on the Xbox One, and they feel like a little bit left out and things like that. <laughs> not and as much as the Mac players. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I, I, uh, let's not go there, unfortunately, for them. Um, but apparently there is actually some answers to the Xbox One players getting Horizons and private groups, painting jobs and things like that, which is somewhere between Q1 and Q4. So after Q1, but before Q4. So basically during the summer, I guess. Um, so that's I guess that's kind of nice. It gives them at least a bit of a date to work towards, doesn't it? Yeah, but one of the things that they have confirmed is Horizons is definitely coming to Xbox, and they yes, say that's is... always been their message, and that hasn't changed. Yep, because they've not seen... said that about the Mac, have they? No. Well, we know that until the Mac implements the proper GL shaders, there's, there's no chance of it coming. Indeed. Which, well, uh, Apple, go. Yeah, go. Um, yeah, sorry, that's making me a sad panda again. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then Gary was saying that he didn't think his message was ambiguous but he needs to be more careful about his, what he's posting and as you say Horizons is definitely coming to the Xbox One that's always been and has never been changed um, which I don't know why people got confused by that because I, I thought that was always the case as well Slam Dunk is asking are we set to get some graphical improvements from the Xbox release as well and I don't think we are. I mean, we, we've already had some optimizations, not cutting the graphics down, but actually optimization to things, making it run faster. 
because of the work that was done on the Xbox One. And yes, we are getting our old asteroids, or there is an asteroid improvement coming around, isn't there? As apparently, there's going to be graphical improvements in 2.1. Yeah. Which um, I think a lot of people are waiting for, because even though it did have a performance hit, they did look very pretty. <laughs> they did They did look very pretty. Um, but I think this is the... This is, a nice example of why the Xbox One f- players are feeling a bit left out. So, Commander Guy Wired is saying one of the Xbox One stickied threads is a screenshot competition. It ended weeks ago. Winners were never announced, so I kind of felt that it never really happened anyway. But here was an opportunity for the Frontier Development community team to announce the winners and showcase their shots in the last, what, three newsletters? If they had done this, wow, Xbox One players would feel like they're actually not being forgotten from yet another newsletter. At the same time, the foreign moderators could have delisted the the sticky thread from the top of the forum. Instead, it's just another reminder that they've been forgotten about and they need to scroll past on our way down to all the other threads every single day. Do you think that's fair that the Xbox One players are maybe feeling like second-rate citizens? Yeah, I've got the Xbox One. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's one of those uh, experiences which I am I'm having a lot of trouble with because of the controller, to be honest. Um, I mean, it plays like standard Elite. There, there's, well, 1.5 Elite, to be honest. So, um, but I must admit, um, you do when you do troll through some of the um, Xbox Reddits and the... The, uh, some of the, the the forum posts, they do feel as if um, they're not getting all the information they need. I mean, as Sandro's gone and uh, he's gone and put in a whole lot of information uh, trying to reassure the Xbox One community, but um, uh, a lot of people need a lot of reassurance, I think, that they're not being forgotten about. Yeah, I mean, what really surprises me about the Xbox One is that they don't even have paint jobs. You know, I'd have really thought that would be one of the key things that they'd have had right from the beginning, and it's still not there, what, six, seven months on now? Well, that's one of the things that they're saying they're actually looking at. Um, one thing that, you know, nice thing, I guess, is that apparently PAX is only going to be demoing on the consoles, on Xboxes, mm-hmm. which surprises me, because I know at EGX, as you were saying, Colin, that everybody loves the using the, the hot-ass and everybody seems to feel it feels a lot more natural, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I am surprised that PAX, they're not having both the hot ass and the PCs and the Xbox Ones. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's their decision. I mean, uh, one of the things that Sandra's wanting to set up is uh, a Galactic Academy, which will help Xbox players with... Um, uh, things like CQC and and playing the game in general. Uh, I'm a, I too am a little surprised that it's going to be Xbox only over at PAX, um, uh, unless of course they've now got the the side ticket. Uh, wasn't the rumours that you get an X52 for the Xbox coming out soon? I thought that was just some fan art that somebody did that would turn out to be never going to happen. Yeah, right, fair enough then. Yeah, well, it looks like I fell for that one then. You've already said that. Um, do you think for the Gal- Galactic Academy, is that basically 
players helping other players, or is that something more more developer led? Shall we say? I think what they're wanting to do is set up a kind of tiered structure where they have um, developers guiding sort of experienced players, and those experienced players will then uh, help uh, other people. Okay, so what do you think would be in it for me, say, hanging around LHS? Was it three five five four or whatever the the starting systems are? What what kind of incentives could they give commanders for helping new commanders? Well, they haven't decided yet. Uh, it's one of these <laughs> things. Uh, they want to set up something like an education ed or something like that um, to uh, to basically help people, but um, they haven't said anything about uh, incentives or or anything like that. I'm afraid to say. Yeah, I mean, not being negative, but it sounds very much like typical Frontier. They're, they're focusing on what they're focusing on, and they're not forgetting other parts of the game, but that's not what you're concentrating on right now. Right now, they're concentrating on Horizons and improving Horizons, and the Xbox will get some more love when they have a spare minute to actually catch their breath. Yeah, but they always pitch it in such a way that there are different teams dealing with the different things. So you would kind of think that, you know, maybe they just, you know, the, the PC guys aren't letting the Xbox guys copy from their sheets. Now that you're background, we had technical problems gotten kicked off the call and we seem to have uh, hung up LayRadio.com's main site. Yeah, it's back on. We're back on again. Huzzah! So hello anyone who didn't swap over onto Twitch. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, it just, uh, there's only a, there's what a fifteen to twenty minute gap where I'm not at the machine, and I was literally just out my driveway and down the road when I heard the the live stream cut. So I jumped to Twitch to make sure that we're going to have a podcast, and we are. <laughs> are you saving this? Please tell me it's being saved. Yes, I'm going to have got multiple sort of redundancies in, but yeah, it's testing them all. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we will have really a podcast. We really apologise for this evening's live show. It's not our fault. I think by the time I've cut it all together, it's going to be about two minutes long. <laughs> That's quite possible. Right, I'm going to move on now. Should we have a quick break and then we'll move on to the patch notes for patch 2004? Oh, boy, space is cold in here. That commander has a cheek sitting up in his cosy and warm cockpit while we haul radioactives around his cargo bay. Oh, is it cold? I hadn't noticed. Oh, that's right. Why, you're not even shivering. Maybe it's because I picked up this North Coast cargo bay sweater. It keeps me warm and stylish. Say, that is a nice jumper. It's made from the finest Verex wool and handcrafted by novitiates in the underground monasteries of Van Manen's Star. Wow. Where can I get one? New North Coast Cargo Bay sweaters. Be the envy of your friends. Wow, every lady from here to the Empire. Be warm and toasty, even on the tenth planet of a dying star. Now on sale at Spark and Mensa. Better now? Better? Why, I feel so warm I'll probably never catch man flu again. Spark and Mensa. Because nothing says sexy like a neck-high jumper. I could murder a cup of tea. Yorkshire gold if you have it. Double Yorkshire gold. <laughs> and if you don't have it, you're dead. Lave Radio, broadcasting to every corner of the galaxy. 
And we're back. Right, so moving on to patch 2.0.04, which came out today. Um, basically, today's patch has been all of the bug fixes, but there's a couple that kind of caught my eye, Which one of which was, apparently there's been a fix for Darnell's progress in the Maya system. Now, I've been hanging around Maya, and I can't... I I don't know anything about Darnell's progress. Do I know you or am I? I I don't I don't know where this place is. I'm I'm intrigued. Is it not a station that's being built? Was that not the station? Obsidian Orbital Station. Well, I don't know. That's something that's gone beyond me. Let's let's throw that one open to uh, the the listeners out there. Um, Dar- Darnell's what was what's Darnell's? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Darnell's apparently is making progress. Because it's, it's all news to me. I don't. I've never heard of that place in in my life. And I, I flew around Maya, looking around it, nosying, looking, going ooh at all the planets and things like that. Yeah, we're we're getting a lot of not no ideas from the Twitch chat. So um, it's maybe something we'll need to investigate for next week to come back and go. Ah, apparently Darnell is. Um, <laughs> Is it the research base? We don't know, Mitch. Unless, oh, that's not... Is that where the community goal for the meta-alloys is? No, the community goal for the meta-alloys is... It's on... Oh, what is it? Obsidian Orbital. Which is a lovely base. I love Obsidian Orbital. Which is in Maya. And that's in Maya. So, it's it's possible that that it's something to do with that, then. Um, and there's a really, really geeky bug which I loved, which is it's a spaceport. Sti- it's a spaceport on the planet below Obsidian Orbital. So there. Aha! That's what Thank it is. Thank you, Icefire. Thank you, Icefire. Uh, there's a geeky one here though, which I love, which was uh, there is a fix fix bug when determining network connection MTU, causing assorted player-to-player connection problems, and Arathon is asking, does this also fix the connection issues experienced by BT Home Hub users, whose routers can't handle the MTU, um, and who have been getting regular disconnections since 1.4? There is a workaround, but a real fix would be awesome. And I love the fix that they've got for this. Well, there's something that they're looking at in 2.1, and they're going to be moving, maybe, to libcurl instead of winhttp, which I know it's sad and geeky, but damn it, that's my life. And because I, I, I use libcurl and I love libcurl, and if they're moving away, to, if they're moving to that, then yay, because it's a good library. <laughs> so sod a lot of use. I like it. <laughs> you like that one, okay? So that, I do. For you, in your opinion, that would be a definite uh, assistance in the peer-to-peer kind of uh, architecture. You think? I've never used it for peer-to-peer stuff, but I use it for other things, and like, so I like it. It's a nice, easy new library, um, and it's open source. So it's usually, you know, I've I've found that open source libraries tend to be. Or better developed, uh, better tested, shall we say? Um, and you know, it's always handy in development to have fifty bazillion people looking at something rather than one. It just no, keeps you more honest. Were any of the other bugs grab you, or were you kind of a bit meh about them all as well? Well, when I, when you look at bug bug fixes, I don't tend to get particularly excited. I don't have many in the way of bugs. I mean, obviously, the more crashes they affect, that's good. Um, there's an awful lot 
of um, issues with instancing it's often the biggest bugbear so uh, that, if they ever came out with a bug fix that says we've managed to resolve it and we've got the player instances up to 64 then I think I'd be going woohoo we can play with more people this is going to be awesome um, but we're not quite there yet so uh, th- you know there's no bugs that I'm awaiting other than the likes of with the, the missions um, I know that the those poor poor bounty hunting missions the assassination missions and the uh, the and was it specific cargo missions are all a little bit tricky um, to guarantee that they're going to work. You don't know, and passenger missions are still absent. Yes, we need our space taxis. I want to be a space taxi driver with vomit in the back for all those poor imperial naval officers that get you know court-martialed. <laughs> right, Commander Ashley is asking: Do we think that logging in and out is an exploit? I have to say, I don't actually think it's an exploit because it's just using game mechanics. And I will freely admit for the oh, the community goal with the Metro Alloys, I was basically logging in and out, trying to get new instances so that I wasn't having to wait 20, 10, 20 minutes to get new Metro Alloys. But well, that that that's a dishonest method of gameplay. No, it's not. I'm, I'm jumping from one um, private group to another just because I want my instances. I'm not I'm not prepared to wait 20 minutes because I've got better things to do with my boo. life. Boo! Boo on you! Shame on you! You, you, you dirty log spawner. I'll, I'll try and come... <laughs> that's not a good... That's not a good word for it. No, we don't, we don't want to spawn you, any logs. You phantom logger. <laughs> but I mean, and yeah, it is, it, jumping from groups to groups is certainly a way to try and beat the instances from solo back into open game. But that is that's not really using game mechanics because you're leaving the game in order to come back into another game. That's called abusing game mechanics. Um, <laughs> I think you know if uh, logging off, uh, if you get yourself into an NPC fight and you're able to wait that 15 seconds cooldown, that's within the game mechanics. And I'm not sure whether that's what they're talking about or whether it is using those kind of logging to different game modes in order to jump a, a session or an instance. I'm not sure. Ashley Wilkinson was being quite vague when they asked the question. I mean, I completely agree that ju- logging with the uh, combat logging completely and utterly against the is below the pale. It's horrible. It's wrong. Well, I mean, do they wait the fifteen seconds? That's why even wait the fifteen seconds. I think that's wrong. It's like no, you're running away. You know, stand up and be a man, damn it. Yeah, but that's more. I mean, okay, I, I'm quite happy to die and lose ships, as everyone knows. Uh, I quite <laughs> happily do it on my own. Um, but I find that if you waited the fifteen seconds, that's using the game mechanics. And that's not necessarily combat logging in my book. Combat logging in my book is forcing the connection to fail in such a way that you escape instantly. So pulling your network cable out or something naughty yeah. like that. I might be wrong. It may well be that you know using the log off when you're in combat is still deemed to be chicken and um, the kind of unsavory. Take it like a man or take it like a woman, but. <laughs> Uh, right, on to the newsletter 106. I think we've already... Sorry, 108 now. Wow, we're jumping right ahead. I think we've covered most of the newsletter already. Uh, one piece of news, though, from the letter... See what I did there? Is that anyone who is listening to the Frontier stream at PAX this weekend will get a free skin. 
So not you don't have to actually listen and it's only giving away five. They're giving away skins to anybody and everybody who listens to it. So I think that's good. Well, yeah, that's a marked improvement on people that can't get to these that are missing out on the content. And I know that they do the odd giveaway. Uh, and as Alien would say on the Twitch streams, then they give it away. You've got to be a bloody superhuman to be able to copy that code and print <laughs> So uh, I think that will be uh, nice that everyone can get an opportunity to have a listen to it uh, and then pick up a code because it's nice to be included and I think there's an awful lot of people that get disenfranchised because they're kind of left out of the ability to be at these events so I think that's a good move I do. So do you think that they should still have some kind of exclusive decal or something to people who actually did make the effort and physically show up? Well... No, not particularly. I don't see it being particularly... You know, If you've got people watching the Twitch chat, then that's not necessarily a lazy person's way of doing it, if you know what I mean. That's them making an mm. effort to sit and watch and be part of the event. So they're part of the event, therefore that's where the exclusivity lies. If I don't watch the event and live and I don't go to the event live, then I'm not there. That's, I agree with that. I mean, I, I know I listened to... Oh, one of the events, and I've managed... I was lucky in that I was able to make EGX. And, yeah, it was awesome being there. And, obviously, we were at LaveCon and last year, and we'll be at LaveCon again this year. But, oh, it was... With one of the things, I was basically... I was on every single stream that Ed was doing, because it was over a weekend when I wasn't doing anything. So, I, I was lucky I didn't have any kids to look after... And I just basically spent all the whole weekend listening to Ed and the Frontier stream. And that was really good fun. I, I enjoyed that. And I joined in the chat. And it was nice. And it, there was a good sense of community there, even though we weren't in Germany or wherever it was. All right. Well, in that case, then, I'm going to have to cover Mr. Ford's recent miniatures game. Unless any of you want to cover it. Jarvis, you like wargaming and you actually you you were you were saying about playing the x-wing versus starts uh x-wing versus tie fighter stuff yeah have you got any thoughts on colin's um elite dangerous miniatures game did you get a chance to play it at elite meet last year uh, I, I hadn't. I know, to be honest, at the time um, he was talking about it, I hadn't yet played X-Wing, so um, I wouldn't have necessarily understood it. But my understanding of what Colin's doing is that originally Colin had been working on what he hoped would be an official modification to the X-Wing game, uh, which would use the X-Wing rules, but with, with you know, elite dangerous ships and, and, and kind of stats. Um, unfortunately, the company that make X-Wing are not in a position to license out the um, combat model. So what Colin has done is basically designed his own game, uh, which is... Um, you know, brilliant, <laughs> because you don't really, uh, unless you were going to do some sort of horrible crossover thing with Star Wars ships and Elite ships in the same game, there isn't really any reason why it needs to be the same um, game rules. Um, <clears throat> so I don't really know how much to share, um, because I don't know how much... Well, Colin has, has shared that he's been working with Sellers and Hughes Okay, um, yeah. in so order I to think- come up with a new rule set and things like that. Yeah, so I think the idea that, that I understand it um, is that Colin is working on a um, a sort of ship combat rule system which the official Elite Dangerous RPG will utilise for its ship combat component. 
because um, that was something that was kind of holding the RPG up was was Dave wasn't happy with his options for kind of ship to ship combat. Um, so yeah, so at some point I'm going to be getting um, prototype rules for that, uh, and we'll be running a live radio test game, hopefully to see how that works. Um, although I have been told that it, it's they're not necessarily rules that work very well over the internet. <laughs> so okay, we'll, we'll that see sounds, how this works. Sounds a bit intriguing. Just because of the way uh, the way the game needs to be played, it might be that Roll Twenty isn't that we normally use for this isn't actually uh, the most appropriate way to play it. Oh right, okay. So we might so, have to look for other ideas. Yeah, we'll watch this space. We'll be doing something with it if we can. I guess. Yes. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Right, well, I think we've got another thing which, as Grant and I were touching on earlier in the day, we our uh, last Saturday we were rescuing Rex Bottoms from the high security base. There are a couple of really good videos there by, I think Commander Alien did one, Commander Smokey's done a video, and I can't remember the guy's name, Commander Square Bunny, that's it. Commander Square Bunny did a really good video to, that's been nicely timed up with music and things like that, which it looks incredibly tight. Uh, he's only got 288 views, though, so I think we're going to have to give him some more from that. But it's a really, really tight video that just looks so much better than it actually was. Um, yeah, I think I think it's fair to say he really made it look like high-octane action. Uh, and it and was it, once, it, you it killed was. The, once you killed the cameraman off. <laughs> it, it was high-octane action, but what it misses is the half hour that we had to spend all trying to get into the same instance. Um, what it misses is that because of these instancing issues, you know, what would be lovely would be if we could, say, take off from Alvin's orbital or whatever the heck it's called in Alpha Centauri, fly off to Wise, all in the same instance we can see each other's wings and then we all fly down to the planet and we can't do any of that because of the instancing issues, which is... It's such a shame. Um, but once we actually all found each other and once Hobo Mallow said, Go! Then we all charged in and we all shot things and that was great fun. And it only lasted for about two minutes after it was like half an hour set up for two minutes of action followed by about five minutes of cleanup. Followed by Rex Bottoms being a fussy so-and-so because he wouldn't get into a ship anything less than an Imperial Cutter. Yeah, yeah he's a bit, you know, a bit he's, proper he's that so way. fussy. You know, we had a federal, um, oh, we had the federal corvette there, but he wouldn't get into that. Wouldn't get into anyone's asp. Wouldn't get into. Even we had some eagles there, but no, he he needed to get into an, uh, a nice imperial ship, which. So we had to go off and basically kill poor Psychoco and do it all again. <laughs> I died for the cause which then left us for another half hour 40 odd minutes trying to find you but I think Arkenbost Arkenbost is saying witness the action three commanders trying viciously to get into the same instance <laughs> <laughs> yes I mean I also I was trying to stream that on the lay radio account and I did kind of technically ma manage but I was having so many technical issues with some reason the streaming software wasn't allowing me to actually type 
in any of the windows and it wasn't allowing me to use the galaxy map. Brilliant. Which is very, very bizarre. I, I have no idea why that was happening. Um, but apart from that, you know, apart from that, it was good fun. We had, what, about 30-odd commanders there, maybe a bit more. Yeah, there was a good fair turnout, and the, the TeamSpeak channel was absolutely full, and everyone was having a good giggle, so that's part of the game is, okay, you might spend a bit of frustrating time trying to get the instancing working, but you're still playing and chatting with people, it's still very social, and that's a win-win in my book. Well, exactly, it was, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun, um, it was a nice, a nice way to spend Saturday evening. Um, could have done with a little bit less instancing issues, but... It was it was fun. Um, I had a lovely. I don't know whether it was an instancing issue or what it was, but I I, I kind of got revenge for you because you know how uh, Hobo Mallow killed you, Grant. Well, apparently apparently I killed Hobo. Um, <laughs> from from my perspective, I was busy targeting a as a, pla- a defense turret. And that was all fine. I was shooting that turret from my asp, and Hobor flew through my line of fire and blew up. But he's in an Imperial Cutter. He shouldn't have exploded just by flying through my line of fire. But he says that I was apparently targeting him, and I killed him. Well, clearly it was all the damage left over from ramming my corpse. Okay, I have no idea why that... uh, Yeah. I have no sympathy whatsoever for him. <laughs> no, to be to be fair, one of the things you you, you do gauge in this game when you played it uh, uh, is that sometimes with the instancing's wrong and you have an absent commander who's not there, and I wasn't there. I only noticed that my ship was being nudged, ran through to try and see what was going on because it was clear right. something was wrong, and I got through in time to say your ship has been destroyed by Homer Mallow, and I thought. <laughs> Wow, oh, didn't you, get much time. Well, not so much that. I mean, so, you know, some nights you just got to spend some time watching some really awful television with your wife, uh, so that she remembers that you actually do give a rat's arse about her. And I think you know, you get to that point with the amount of stuff that we do for Elite. There's a point at which you have to kind of whisper the word Elite. You know, yeah. you can't say when they say, "What are you doing tonight, darling? Will you be coming to watch this with you?" And you go like, "Going well, actually, I'm just going to go and." And, um, I'm going to play some And then you just hear that, you're going to what? I'm just going to play some I might as well just say, actually, I'm just going to go and spend some money on some pornography and uh, buy in copious amounts of beer. And she'll be like, all right, no worries. I'm going to watch football. Yeah, no problem. So Elite has now made me look actually less geeky because I've had to lie about it. So Elite is, not, elite is a four-letter word now. It definitely is, but you know, in that respect, you know, it's fine. It's just this Saturday night is awesome, uh, and this will be a guilty confession for you all. I have always, since a young age, loved watching Casualty. So the fact that we can do that together and have a good giggle at it, why? Why on earth, after our experiences of hospitals, we would enjoy watching something about being in an emergency room? I do not know, but we do, and it is. It's just one of those things. So everything stops for casualty. I don't think casualty is a guilty pleasure. I enjoy casualty as well. Well, I'm just going to wait for the chat. I'll wait and see. Is, is casualty a guilty pleasure, or is it okay to confess to that? I, don't I quite like Obi City as well. Oh, you splitter! You've just ruined it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want extractor. I'll, I will agree there. But I think. Yeah, I, I enjoy things like that. I, I think casu- I used to watch Casualty actually quite a lot. 
Um, well, I say a lot. I mean, like when it was on. And then I think it just... It's still on. Yeah, no, I know. Um, no, but I mean, it sounds like I used to watch it like more than it was on. If you know what I mean, if I say I watched it a lot, I didn't. I watched it every week. Um, and then I found when ER started, I just, I don't know, Casualty just looked really cheap and British. Yeah, it did. I, I mean, ER really did kind of super sexify it up. And um, although it did get a bit ridiculous with, you know, some consultant stepping outside and then being crushed by a falling helicopter from the roof and some yeah. of the most ridiculous scenes yeah. but it did, beca- it did become a bit ridiculous but um i like scrubs no, i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with admitting to watching casualty i think there are programs that it's embarrassing to watch casualty is not one of them so i i agree with you and i also enjoy scrubs as well it seems to be the er and hospital soaps are okay to admit to liking that's great oh. That, that's all right then. We, we, this is good. And mm. yeah. what point were we making when I brought up Casualty? I don't know. As long as it's not doctors. Oh, oh no, it <laughs> was Saturday night. Yes. Saturday night. Yes, Date that's, that's why I missed. I missed the, the the run. But I was trying to do my cameraman duties, and, and sadly, I lost my life because of it. <laughs> to, to, to be honest, Grant, if you to be honest, Grant, if you need any uh, fire deflecting away from you for watching uh, soap on Saturday night, I, I I quite enjoy Take Me Out. To be honest. Oh, you see, that, that's quite guilty pleasure, but I'm not going to say anything because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I wasn't there earlier. <laughs> but frankly, you know, for all those people out there, if you don't like Take Me Out, then no lighty! That's right, yes. Yes. Let the frame shift see the drive. This has gone quite badly now. I don't it? know, I just... You know, sometimes I sit and watch it, I think this is kind of watching... <laughs> the sort of cattle markets but where the bulls pick the farmer <laughs> do you know I actually was talking to someone about Take Me Out this is massively off topic really but anyway <laughs> I found myself talking to about some about Take Me Out to somebody the other day and I found myself using the phrase the thing is you have to kind of watch it across a whole season to really appreciate the strategy I that sounds like Babylon 5 I don't really know why I'm saying this no, my point is the thing is there's there's an awful lot of um, the, the the girls that are on the show early on in the series they'll be very fussy and they will reject people for the slightest thing like during the video the guy will say like oh at the weekend I volunteer with a charity that helps sick children and there'll be like <laughs> three women that's like do do no no just that um, and there's two aspects to it one is that if you get a date early on in the series, then you're not in the rest of the series and on TV. And the other thing is that if you turn, if you reject someone for the most ridiculous reason, they will come and kind of interview you and talk to you. And what's really funny is if you're a guy and you, you want a date, you want to be in like the last three episodes because that's the point where all the contestants are thinking, okay, there's only three shows left. I really want that holiday. So basically <laughs> so they're I'm getting desperate. My, yeah, I'm going to leave my light on basically for whatever's wrong with him. I mean, the guy could come on holding a severed head and kind of like with a bloody knife in one hand. And there'd be people that would just, yeah, yeah, you know, I like the, I like the butcher look. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just really want the holiday. Just please pick me. Yeah, I don't mind the fact you've not got, oh, you know, you're missing part of your forehead. Uh, Watch is, is, is pointing out that, are, are, we, are we really so low on topics of conversation that we've never resorted to talking about TV? I thought this was the Take Me Out podcast, honestly. I, you know. Uh, that's that's uh, tomorrow night. 
<laughs> so I've, 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 been, I've been playing fastest tonight and I have resorted to cannibalism. So at some point, I, you know, we, we are going to have to stream some of this game. <laughs> um, I've resorted to cannibalism in Fallout. Yeah, because the thing that I quite like about it is any character that you have used and given human meat to, now all the dice you roll for them are red and leave kind of bloody trails across the screen. So I have to say, this game is amazing. Anyway, I'm going to stop. Um, we'll maybe do a sort of roundup of the new sci-fi television programs because it's something I, I really enjoy. And uh, yeah, one mention there is definitely The Expanse, which is a very much a kind of an elite approach to science fiction and awesome. Definitely worth I checking out. Well, I do need to watch The Expanse. Right, Grant, you've already covered the changes to the Live Radio Twenty Four Hour Stream. Is there anything else you're wanting to? Is there anything else you're wanting to cover than that? Well, one thing that, because obviously we, we need content. If you are a uh, budding musician and you have made music and you would be happy for us to stream your music, then we want it. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a certain level of skill. Uh, it's not like me on my xylophone hammering out the sort of chopsticks. Uh, it's got to be. You so know, we want command of human stuff, not your stuff, basically. You swine! You, you brought that name up again! Um. <laughs> But no, I mean, if you have a listen to it, you'll hear that we've got people who are on the frontier uh, groups and uh, the elite sort of inspired music groups, like people like Mindwipe, and that was a mistake. Uh, Mindwipe's the only name that jumps into mind. Felix, Nicholas Felix, who is hysterical, because I've been trying to put all the music back up onto the website. Um, so... If you have that kind of orchestral skills, or you're able to, you've got a band. In fact, I'd love to have some, you know, other music with some vocals and some uh, rock stuff going up there. But so, if you have music, SoundCloud is yes. We've got a lot of people from SoundCloud that've sent in stuff, which is awesome. And uh, we're going to look at some of the other methods of getting music just to fill up the stream to keep it nice and varied for you all. And hopefully, we'll be relaunching that in the near coming weeks. And um, yeah. By all means, check it out. We've got the Escape Velocity podcast up there. We've got all the past Live Radio podcasts up there. Uh, Crikey, the Conclaves. We've got some Abracadrabbles up there. So it's got a good range of different shows that you can listen to. So it's definitely going to be good once we get there. Right, so we've got a couple of questions from people. Uh, Commander Ashley Wilkinson in game is saying, why do we think that the devs hold on to so much information about the future of the game? Well, that, that's, that's, that's purely demonstrated by the press um, reactions to things like the Oculus. That, that, that's, there's your reason right there. If you give out too much information, then you've, you make a rod for your back. If people pick up the small bits of information the wrong way, at least gives you the ability to control it and to say, well, no, that's not what we meant. And things like um, Star Citizen, and I'm not sure if you mentioned it tonight, where the press have reported that they've now binned a particular game mode but the actual word from Chris Roberts' mouth is that the, that was always intended to be a stopgap, and actually now, with all the problems that delayed it, they're actually at the point where they don't need that stopgap, so there's no point in releasing it, but they'll maybe develop something for it later on. And it's the way that these things then become, you know, you said you would give us this, uh, and they're like, well, yeah, we did, but now we've superseded it. So we're not going to give you that because it'd be step backwards, and you're like, oh, but you said and you lied. You you you. What was they call it? A bait and switch. You bait and switched us, and then it's all over the news of all the different websites are going. Yeah, well, Chris Roberts lied, and you know it's the same with the offline mode. Although that was, 
you know, a prime example of where you say we're going to do this, and then you have to come back later on and go, actually, we can't, and that's why devs keep it to their close to their chests because it allows them a little bit of wiggle room to be able to change their minds or change the way something works in to order to make it better. And it does help if I turn my microphone back on. Uh, another thing that we're having, and we've kind of covered this, I think, but this uh, Commander Zimrach, or Zimrich is asking, for example, we have an engineer who is closely aligned with the Federal Navy, and so your rank, which the Navy is his key, which, in the, which with the Navy is his key consideration. So the higher your naval rank, the better the blueprints he will offer you, as well as naval ranks, the Pilots' Federation rank, including combat trades, exploration, and CQC, will influence some engineers. Do we think that it is right that certain elements within the main game could be out of reach unless they involve themselves in, he's saying CQC, but I'll say aspects of the game that you don't play, um, and ensure that there are uh, plenty of commanders who don't play CQC. So, do you think that it's fair that there are things that you could get that are limiting you that are limiting you because you don't play that part of the game? Yeah. Well, I mean, oh goodness gracious, there's a kitten in here somewhere, and they stink. Um, the, the issue I think that you find is a game should be developed in a way that makes people or encourages people to play different aspects of it, and the way you do that is by having rewards for that particular gameplay. So it's completely not. I think it's fair to encourage people to try. So you know, the, the the reason it comes down to is right. You can't get that unless you play this. So there's your incentive. Get yourself in there and have a go. But, I mean, would it be right that, say, you can only craft the super gun of awesomeness if you fly to Alpha Centauri and go off to Hutton, or you get the super-duper rockets of agility if you go to uh, Sagittarius Ace? Does that seem right to you? Yeah. I think that's what I mean. It's just that reward for doing that extra thing. I mean, if you look at, um, okay, it's more real worldy, but the success of the Hutton Mug Community Goal was down to the chance to win a mug and to, to be saying you're part of it. You know, there's that, that kind of pull. So if it gives you a significant advantage in game, it's time to, you know, not moan about the fact that it's not fair that other people can get it. If it's within your abilities to do, and everyone, let's face it, in the game should be able to do any part of the game it'd just be a case of you might not enjoy it for example if they say that you can only get this particular upgrade by mining I'm stuffed but it might be the incentive I need to go and do some mining and find a way that mining is enjoyable for me so I think it's right I think it's completely I think it's fair Um, but you know otherwise You've got to go right down the middle, that narrow middle line where you've got people that don't PvP, so there's no point in doing any of that. Some people don't enjoy fighting, so they don't do that. So it's trading. Oh, but I'm not a trader, I prefer mining. You never make everyone happy, so you've just got to encourage people to have a nice, wide and general approach to all the different aspects of the game and encourage them to do it because you're offering a nice carrot. So you'd maybe give them a nice carrot if they play, say, a couple of CQC batches rather than you have to become level 40 in CQC. 
Yeah, make it measurable. Make it a smaller measurable, you know, um, sort of thing where it, it, oh, quite crikey, it's hard to know what, what abilities they have behind the scenes. But if they're going to say you need to be elite in CQC, that's a big ask and that needs to be reflected in the particular rewards given. But, you know, if, if you're going to have these other ones, then yeah, just make it, that's where the fairness comes in. You know, so for example, if you're going to give away something that has a very insignificant effect, but it's kind of nice, then you don't want to have to make people being elite in different ranks just to get it. It should be a little bit more easier, and then for the big stuff, put it up there. Well, that seems fair enough. I think we're going to wrap it up at this. We have, you a question. To say, we have a couple of questions. Oh, we have another question. Oh. Yeah, we, we have a number of questions. This, this one actually, this one's for Fozza. So I hope you're listening, Fozza. Uh, we have had. <laughs> Are we doing anything fun for our one hundredth episode, Fozza? <laughs> I think we can say there are a couple of plans afoot. We're trying to do something, and people were asking if, they, if we want to audio clips or video set, and you know what? Yeah, go on. Send us in your wee clips, you know, to sort of wish us a, a happy 100th episode, or, you know, pick your favourite um, thing from the past 100 episodes, and we'll sort of maybe have your favourite moments and be able to play little clips on the show. But yeah, there are stuff going on, and we'll be in touch as and when they come to fruition. But by all means... Make your little 100 live radio thing. We'd love to see them and we'd love to use them. <laughs> that, that wasn't the suggestion that we'd use all your stuff and then do nothing. But, you know, that's... But that's we okay. will. <laughs> oh, I mean, Fuzzer has been making plans for all this. And I think that any other any other contributions from the community would be greatly appreciated. I think, I, think, that's, I think that's a fair comment. It would be awesome to have your input because you've been here along keeping us uh, looking more sane because we're not just talking to nah. ourselves. So, <laughs> Definitely you know, not sane. We're all here for you guys, so if you want to tell us how awesome we are, <laughs> go, go ahead. For, <laughs> After this, oh, Stephen Usher, show. <laughs> Stephen Usher is off my Christmas card list. He's asking, he's suggesting that maybe we get some audio equipment training for the hundredth episode. <laughs> <laughs> that probably might be a good idea, to be honest. Oh, you said there was another question on Twitch as well. No, no, that was, there was a couple of people asking about the 100th episode and yes, we want to do something special for it and um, it's going to be really, 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 really interesting, I hope, and, and fun for for you all to listen to and um, we'll try and see what we can do to make it really special. So yeah, by all means, get your stuff in, that would be great. I would love to see them. Right, and are you wanting to say anything about Elite Meat Grants, or are we not talking about that yet? Elite Meat, we are currently hoping to have a venue picked by the end of this week, so we hope we'll have some news for next week's episode, and it is, what, 2nd of April? 2nd of April. The date. Um, yep. And we'll need to check and see where we can get it, but it definitely will be in Glasgow, and we're just trying to find the perfect venue. We've had a couple of ones that are not available on that date, so that's a bit of a pain in the bum, but we will find something and report back. Okie dokie. Well, I think we're going to have to give a quick shout-out to the brilliant commanders who have been here in game tonight, which would be Commander Ashley Wilkinson, Commander Dissington, Commander Slam Dunk, Commander Slap, Slap Shot, got to be careful there, and Commander Upper Bottom. I think you guys have managed to stick through it and tell me when things aren't going right, so thank you very much, guys. 
Yeah, there's been a, they've been really good tonight. You're sticking through all of the technical issues, which some, you know, it just as I say, one bit of very reliable software that's never let me down in that way Enough. before. Just decided not to work. And having worked for ten minutes before the show went out, I pressed the buttons. Everything went good, and then boom. So sorry about that, guys. And on that note. That's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you want to get in touch with the show, then you can email us on info at laveradio.com. We're on Facebook at slash Lave Radio. We are at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Skype chat channel by adding Fozzer 101 to your Skype contacts. Or you can add to the TeamSpeak server where commanders hang out and chat, which is laveradio.teamspeak3.com the TeamSpeak server is absolutely mental, all the Hutton truckers have taken it over as well, it's a really good fun place to to be and it's pretty busy most nights of the week now which is great Um, Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 British time and streamed out when it works on laveradio.com slash live thank you very much to Grant to Colin and to Chris I'm your host Ben Moss Woodward and um, until next time fly safe and if you can't do that fly dangerous Two seconds, I'll be right back.